welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello. Well, following that wonderful interview with Chris Bailey last week, I've been thinking a lot about the ideal study routine. The power of a killer study routine is simple. When you get it really dialed in, your productivity, in theory, goes through the roof. No more procrastination and distractions. No more getting bored or tired. No more lazy afternoons when you are supposed to be working. Just getting things done. Cranking out great work day after day and enjoying plenty of guilt-free time off in between. As we talked about last time, productivity can be thought of as coming down to three things. Managing your time, managing your energy and managing your attention so that you're focused and not distracted. Today, I'm going to walk you through my own thoughts on how to maximise each of these three things within your study routine. But rather than just spouting an abstract list of do's and don'ts and sort of wagging my finger at you all, I thought it'd be way more fun, interesting and informative to dissect an actual student's study routine. It's going to be my own, because that means I can be as brutally honest about what I was doing well and wasn't doing well as possible. And if there's anybody that's going to come off embarrassed at what I wasn't doing well, it's only going to be me. So let's go for it. Um, For context, this was the exact study routine I was using for the the sort of six to eight week intensive run-in to my final exams when I was a student at Cambridge University. I'll share with you that I had a bit of a mountain to climb with this particular set of exams. I hadn't been performing particularly well through the year. I was doing all right, but, you know, maybe around in the middle to bottom half of the class. On the other hand, I was an ambitious guy and I wanted to get top grades. And my entire degree class, my entire degree, all the marks available, came down to just three exams over three days. Each exam was a three-hour marathon, so nine hours in total. Each day, each exam covering two different modules of my course. Everything was resting on these nine hours of exams. No fallback, no second chances. I must have got something right in my study routine because I ended up graduating with a first-class degree in the top 10% of my cohort. But I don't really say that to brag because when I think back in hindsight, there was also a lot about my habits that I could have very easily tightened up and improved. So perhaps I could have got that result without as much hard work as I ended up having to do. So let me talk you through what I was up to, what I did well, and some of the mistakes I made and what I'd do differently in hindsight. First, at headline level, I was getting in about eight to nine solid hours work per day. That's work of top quality, mind you, mainly using spaced retrieval practice techniques, which we've talked about on the podcast before, and using quite intense focus for most of that time. Now, I wouldn't take eight to nine hours as a target. That's a pretty high work rate, and I was only doing that for the sort of two two months or so leading up to the main exams. Eight to nine hours won't necessarily be right for you, particularly if you're still pre-university, i.e. still at high school, and particularly if you're trying to fit an exam study schedule around a timetable of classes. I had the luxury of being able to study full-time and give all my efforts and energies to studying. 
So you might be aiming for six hours a day or three or maybe just one or two. Entirely depends on your circumstances. For me, it was eight to nine, as I say. So, so much for how much I was working. Where was I doing the work? Well, I had this amazing place to study. It's called the Plum Auditorium at Christ's College, Cambridge. If you want a mental image, picture a room with 50 students working at individual desks, all in total silence. Some of my friends hated it in there because it felt so intimidating, but I absolutely loved it. I probably owe the success of my degree to the plum more than any other single factor because it helped me to do two crucial things. Firstly, maximise my time. When you're in that room, there was such a strong social pressure to work because everyone else there is working. It's relatively easy to just get your head down and study. We're social creatures as humans. We want to fit in. Secondly, it helped me maximise my attention. There are pretty much zero distractions in the plum, other than someone getting up to change the climate control settings from time to time. So you're able to get very focused on your work. There are probably some benefits even beyond productivity. Uh, There's quite a cool effect called context-dependent recall, which I remember learning about as an undergraduate psychology student. To understand this, imagine learning and recall as a two-step process. There's the time you learn some information and lock it away in memory. And then secondly, there's the time you recall that information and remember what you learned, pull it out of memory. Now, context-dependent recall essentially says that you're more likely to recall information accurately if the environment around you at the time of recall, in other words, the environment in which you're trying to remember the information, is similar to the environment in which you originally learned the information. The effect was first demonstrated uh, by researchers using divers split into two groups – a first group that had learned information on dry land, and a second group who had learned information while they were diving underwater. The divers that had learned the information when they were standing on dry land were able to remember more when they were standing on dry land than when they were trying to remember the same information underwater. On the other hand, the divers that had originally done their learning underwater remembered the most when they were asked to recall the information also when underwater and they remembered less when they were taken out of the water and put on dry land. So the final nice thing about the Plum Auditorium then was that it felt like an exam hall, all those rows of students working feverishly in total silence, which I reckon gave me a pretty strong memory recall boost on exam day through the context-dependent recall effect. So there I was, I was doing eight to nine hours a day in my beloved Plum Auditorium. If you're interested in how that eight to nine hours a day breaks down, the full schedule looks something like the following. I was up at about 7.30 to shower, get dressed. By eight o'clock, I'd be working. I'd be doing some spaced recall first, recapping the material I learned yesterday. 8.45 to 8.15, I'd take breakfast. 9.15 through to lunchtime, which is about midday, 12 o'clock, I'd be studying not continuously for two and three quarter hours, I'd be working for about 50 to 55 minute blocks at a time, taking a five, 10 minute breather in between. Lunchtime, 12 o'clock, I'd go and have some lunch. And then after that, I'd go and check my emails. That was the one time of the day I checked my emails and go for a little walk uh, around the college gardens before coming back to my desk for maybe 1.30, uh, where I'd stay through till six o'clock to do some more studying. Again, tended to be sort of 50 to 55 minute study blocks 
with little breaks in between, and maybe one longer break mid-afternoon, about half an hour or so. Dinner was six till seven, a final evening study block seven till 9.30, again, 50-55 minutes at a time with little breaks in between, which I generally use uh, the last slot of the day to conclude with a bit of a recap uh, of material that I covered that day. Again, a bit more spaced learning. From 9.30, I was winding down, stopped work, uh, and by 10.15, I was in bed and asleep. A couple of points on all this. I know audio is perhaps not the best format for running you through the daily routine like that. Uh, so if you do want to refer back to the full thing at any point, I've put it on my website, examstudyexpert.com forward slash routine, where you'll see the full breakdown of the timetable. So that's examstudyexpert.com forward slash routine. I just want to emphasize though, please don't see this as a template to follow. As I said before, your circumstances are almost certainly going to be different to mine, and this isn't going to work for everybody, which is why I'm taking this entire episode to explain all the principles that this is based on, so you can design the right routine for you. And most importantly, I should say again that this represents a fairly intense, well, very intense work schedule. Don't see this as a target to aim towards and beat yourself up if you fall short of it. And for me, I could only keep this kind of routine up for just a few weeks leading up to my final exams each year. And this was when I was a relatively mature and quite experienced scholar when I was in my early 20s. If you're younger, I'd be aiming for far less each day. And going the other way, I certainly wouldn't advise doing significantly more than this each day for any length of time, because you'll only exhaust yourself and end up working way longer to essentially get the same amount done as if you'd worked more sensible hours. Getting into this kind of routine, I found it took quite a few days of intense willpower, but by the second week, I'd got it bedded in and it was pretty much feeling like a habit. My body kind of knew that when it woke up in the morning, this was how I'd be spending my day and it would have felt kind of weird to do anything else. So that was how I was going about managing my time and to an extent how I was managing my attention by working somewhere without any distractions. I now just want to draw attention to a couple of the things I was doing to try and keep my energy levels up. Perhaps the most important was being very deliberate about scheduling guilt-free downtime. That kind of space to rest and recharge I think is vital for making sure your energy levels stay high for weeks on end, avoiding burnout. The main ways I made space in the schedule for this were, number one, in mini breaks. So I mentioned I'd be working for sort of 50, 55 minutes at a time and then taking five, 10 minute breaks in between. That's a quick break to get some water, walk around, maybe exchange a couple of words with a friend in the break room. I watched other students stay at their desk for two, three hours or more at a stretch. And, you know, there's no way their concentration level was as good by the third hour. So take little breaks, top up your focus, top up your concentration. Second, I always took some time out around meals to decompress before getting back to work. Maybe that was a walk around the college gardens like I did after lunch. And then third, I'd also schedule in some longer stretches of guilt-free social time. A few places through the week which were sort of sacred chill-out slash social times where I broke my normal daily timetable uh, without guilt so I could have a proper chance to unplug and recharge. 
In particular, that meant Sunday was a half day. I'd stop at about 3pm for choir practice, followed by dinner in the evening with some friends. And on Saturday evenings, I left that completely free for kicking back and socialising however I fancied it. Uh, And I had a couple more little breaks, uh, longer breaks throughout the, the week as well, particularly Wednesday evenings, Thursday evenings. I found this time off not only let me recharge my batteries, it also provided something to look forward to, kind of an incentive to work hard leading up to that downtime in order to make sure I felt like I'd really earned that leisure time. So those breaks were a great way to try and keep energy levels topped up. There were just a couple of other things I was doing which I think really helped to maintain energy levels for the long haul. First, I slept more than I ever have before or since. Sleep is not only important for keeping your energy and attention levels up for the next day, it's also really important for consolidating memory. I was getting about nine hours a night and I never had any problems feeling sleepy during the day as a result. Worth noting that I wasn't studying right up to bedtime. I think it's a really nice idea to stop and give yourself some time to wind down. Uh, I was doing about 45 minutes between stopping and studying and going to bed. Maybe you want to make it an hour. I certainly wouldn't do much less than half an hour. I think you need that space just to wind down before you hit the pillow. Uh, And then secondly, I was drinking caffeine only quite strategically. So caffeine can absolutely give you an energy boost, but I think you often pay for it later. It's causing sort of spikes and troughs in your energy levels. So for the most part, when I was studying, I was switching to decaf to avoid those kind of fluctuations in energy and alertness. Having caffeine in your system, I think, also contributes to that state-dependent recall effect I was talking about earlier. I was planning to be caffeine-free when I took the exams and was trying to recall the information. So I wanted to be in that same physiological state, i.e. caffeine-free, when I was learning the information in the first place, so that the state I was in when I learned the information matched the state I was in when I recalled the information, and therefore I was more able to recall that information. Of course, Life can't just be a mix of studying and breaks and sleeping. You've also got to eat, shop, do laundry, check emails, all that stuff that can't be put on hold for too long without life falling apart quickly. Especially eating in my case. If I missed a meal, I'm absolutely useless. Um, But you can, I think, be clever about minimising the time all that extra stuff takes. And for me, there were maybe three main ways I did that. Firstly, I was checking and responding to emails and messages only once per day, usually just after lunch. This not only helped me get through them quicker, but also helped maximise attention through the day because I wasn't constantly distracting my monkey brain uh, and I was able to help it stay clear and focused. That's the power of batching. I also eliminated chores where I could. So I ate in the college canteen three times a day for the most part when I was in this kind of top study gear mode. I couldn't afford the money to do this all year round, but for a few weeks it was okay. So the benefit of that was no cooking, no washing up and much reduced grocery shopping. Plus it had that nice added benefit that by eating with friends, I could also get some much needed social contact in while having a meal. Handy bit of multitasking that makes both of those activities even more enjoyable. And finally, I batched other chores together as much as possible and tried to do them when I was on study breaks. So rather than seeing chores as something that interrupts work, I kind of made them into actual study breaks instead. So for example, if I needed to take a break in the afternoon anyway, why not use that break to pop out into town to get some more pens or flashcards or whatever it was I needed? It was a fairly nice short walk into town, so I made a nice little break. 
And as I mentioned a couple of episodes back with Kendra Adachi, I was religious about batching laundry all the way through my college days. By the time I'd gone to the college laundry and loaded up one machine, I might as well have loaded up three of their machines. And the whole job would take about the same time as doing one machine's worth of laundry. So I effectively reduced the time taken to do laundry by two thirds. Nice tip if you've got enough clothes to be able to do it. Um, Okay, well, so far, this is all sounding pretty good, isn't it? A solid set of strategies, many elements that I still recommend to my coaching clients to this day when I'm helping students find the perfect study routine for them. But I think that's quite enough of patting myself on the back, because it's time to get into what I wasn't doing so well. Now, if I'm honest, a lot of the routine was, as I say, in pretty good shape already. If I was going to give the overall routine a grade, I'd probably give it an A-, based on what I know now as an experienced study coach and mentor. So overall, a pretty good routine, but not quite perfect. So what would I need to do differently to earn an A-plus for the overall study routine? Let's take a look and break it down. Remember I said back at the start that productivity is about maximising your time, energy and attention. Well, I think I was doing a pretty solid job of managing my time. I was getting in plenty of quality, focused hours each day, and I was batching or stacking other tasks to give myself as much uninterrupted study time as possible. In hindsight, I don't think there's a lot I'd do differently on the time management front. When it comes to managing attention, I think there are a few tricks I was missing, which I'll share with you in a moment. But I think it's when it comes to managing energy that there are the most substantial changes which I'd make. So here are the five main things I would do differently if I had my student days all over again. Number one, I'd meditate to boost focus. Since I was at university, there's been an absolute pile of scientific evidence on the benefits of meditation. For boosting concentration and focus, for lowering stress and anxiety, for supporting good mental health, and even helping your memory. These days, Meditation or mindfulness practice is mainstream. It's not woo-woo stuff. It's not specific to any religion. It's just a really nice, easy practice you can do by yourself in just a few minutes a day. I'm not going to say too much more now because I've got a whole episode on it next week with meditation for students expert Claire Kelly. Number two, I turned my phone off when I was working. So I was pretty good at not checking it, but really I should have had my phone just turned off. There's no excuse, really, given the havoc that smartphones can wreak on our concentration levels. It was pretty much the one source of external distraction left once I'd moved to the sanctity of my favourite plum auditorium, and it's just such an easy source of distraction to eliminate. I'd have had it off. Number three is kind of related to that idea of managing attention and eliminating distractions, but this time it's about internal distractions. It's the idea of maintaining a distractions journal. Because no matter how intently you're focusing, and even once you've eliminated all those external distractions, the mind can be a constant source of internal distraction. Worrying about calling your grandparents back, thinking about chores you need to do or supplies you need to buy, planning what you'll do for dinner with your friends on Saturday, remembering to pick up your mail tonight, daydreaming about your travel plans over the summer vacation, all sorts of things can pop into your brain while you're trying to focus on something else. There's nothing wrong with those thoughts, but if you leave them all rattling around in your mind, you might find that they're sucking up valuable mental bandwidth and stopping you from concentrating quite as hard on the thing you're trying to do. 
So I now advise students to keep a distractions list to hand while you're working to make a note of all those thoughts that pop into your head. Some of those thoughts that you note down might form a to-do list that you can get through the next time you have a longer break. Some of them might not need any action at all, but by writing them down, you're helping to clear your mind, get them down onto paper and leave your mind free to focus on whatever it is you're trying to concentrate on. The final couple of things are strictly related to managing energy and maximising energy. Number four is about what I was eating. I cut down on sugar. I mentioned I wasn't drinking a lot of caffeine, but what I was doing to get an energy boost was turning to sugary snacks. Long been a weakness of mine. The problem is, as with caffeine, the temporary boost you get from a sugary snack often quickly gives way to an energy crash. I've been hearing more and more about the massive benefits of reducing your sugar intake for years. Trim figure, more energy, fewer health problems later in life. So I'd have done some work to try and cut down on the amount of sugar I was getting, uh, which I think is also a pretty salient note to my present day self as well as my past self. I've come away on getting this under control, but I think there's still some work to do. Number five, finally, is to get more exercise. Exercise expert John Ratty writes that if exercise came in pill form, it would be plastered across the front page, hailed as the blockbuster drug of the century. He says that it's the single most powerful tool you have to optimise your brain function. Now, I'd never been much of an athlete, and I figured that if I was taking time out of the day to go for a run, that was just time that I could have better spent at my study desk. I think I definitely do things differently now. I've become much more consistent with exercise as I've grown a little older, and I find that the extra productive time I get as a result of exercising more than outweighs the time needed to get in a short jog or bit of cardio exercise. The British entrepreneur Richard Branson famously drew a similar observation. He reckons that his morning hour of exercise adds around four hours of productivity to his day. So I'd meditate more, turn off that phone, keep a distractions journal, cut down on sugar and get some exercise in. All right, so we've covered a lot of ground today. Let me just wrap this thing up for you with my top 10 tips for creating a productive study routine. Number one, be strategic about where you study, your environment. Number two, find a rhythm that works for you and stick with it so it becomes automatic, almost like a habit. Number three, work with intense focus, reducing distractions as far as you can, including by turning off your phone and perhaps by maintaining a distractions journal. Number four, batch your chores like laundry and checking your email. Number five, stack other activities on top of each other, like getting some much needed social contact over lunch or using a necessary shopping run as a longer break from your studies. Number six, make sure you schedule some guilt-free downtime each week to recharge those batteries. Number seven, think about the fuel you're putting into your body, the meals you eat, the snacks you choose, how you choose to use caffeine. Number eight, be sure to get plenty of sleep each night. Number nine, take regular breaks throughout the day. And number 10, look after your mind and body by getting some exercise and consider meditating as a practice to boost your focus and concentration further. 
Phew. Well, it sounds like we're asking a lot of ourselves as students, doesn't it? But the reality is that if you've chosen to take a relatively demanding course of study at university or your school, it's your course that's going to be demanding a lot from you. And ultimately, the choice is yours whether you choose to rise to that challenge or not. I shared 10 great general tips just now, but of course, one of the problems with giving advice on this particular aspect of studying is that everyone's situation is a bit different, and every student is different. I can't just paste my own study routine online and tell everyone to use it as a template, because chances are, it won't quite work for you. That's partly why I've tried to tell you some of the underlying principles behind the choices I made and what I do differently in this episode, to help you make the right kind of choices for yourself. But if you're wanting to go deeper and get some more personalised help in getting your own study routine right, I want you to know that I'm here to help. I love coaching students on their study habits and routines, drawing on my knowledge of human psychology, as well as nearly a decade's experience working one-on-one with students to help them study smarter and ace their exams. I also know a heck of a lot about effective ways to learn information, so you can learn faster and remember more. And I may even be able to help you lower your stress levels through the whole process. Time and again, I hear comments from students I work with to the effect that they wish they'd talk to me sooner because it could have saved them months, maybe years of struggle. So if you'd like to find out more, details are on the website at examstudyexpert.com forward slash coaching. Or if you prefer, you're very welcome to drop me an email about it at william at examstudyexpert.com. I'll put those details in the show notes if you need them. That's examstudyexpert.com forward slash coaching for the details, or just reach out directly at william at examstudyexpert.com. It'd be my honour to help you study smarter and ace your exams this year. And with that, I want to say thanks again for listening today, and I want to wish you every success in your studies this week. Well, that was good, wasn't it? I found myself taking notes. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.